Hey there, it's Kellyanne. You're listening to Downstage Dallas. Listen, today I have a request. A request for anyone who listens to audiobooks. And this is something that any of the creators behind those audiobooks will absolutely agree with. Not just the authors, but the voice talent as well. I'm talking with an old friend today. She is a voice actor based here in Dallas. She's brought to life nearly four dozen audiobooks, plus about 50 voice credits in anime with Funimation here in North Texas, as well as Sentai Filmworks in Houston. Here's just a sample of the voices from Casey Hollowell. I think I get it. We'll talk later, okay? Thank goodness. That was almost too close for comfort. I didn't see that coming. Don't forget me, Mutsuki. On top of that, dating customers outside of work is against Maid Latte's rules. I've really done it now. It's my own fault. Would you look at that? There certainly are all kinds of people out there today. <laughs> we had better be quick then. There may still be a chance if we hustle. Hurry up! What was that all about? Hang on just a minute! Congratulations on graduating. If you would have told me on the first day we met how interesting our school life would end up being, I never would have believed you. I don't know. You posted something recently about a struggle of being a voice actor. And this was something that I didn't even know existed because I'm not a I'm not an audiobook listener. Um, it's a plea for people who do listen to audiobooks. You said once you have listened to an audiobook and have enjoyed the audiobook do not return it because you said it's literally taking money from the creators including you in in many cases the voiceover actor you said it's literally taking money from your pockets so explain that to me a little bit more because first of all i did not even know that you could return an audiobook and how how is that taking money from you explain a little bit more so i didn't know you could do that either because i i i honestly i have audio i am an audiobook listener i was before i started doing audiobooks um like before i started narrating them i have books in my audible library that i will never listen to because i started i'm like yeah this isn't really my jam um and then i just left them i didn't return them i didn't know that you could at first, actually. It wasn't until um, I started seeing on a lot of my authors' Facebooks and, and stuff like that about it, basically the same plea that I made. And the way that it works is, I mean, I feel like by now most people understand how the Amazon marketplace works. Amazon is basically the host, the third-party host sort of mm. thing. And um, if you're selling something, on Amazon, then you, the seller, you make the item, you send it off, you get the money from the buyer. And if the buyer is unhappy or whatever, and they want to return it, then that's that whole exchange is just between you two. Mm -hmm. It's a very similar situation with audiobooks. So um, the author, I guess from the top of making an audiobook, is um an author well and okay i should also preface on an indie level i'm on the indie level um gotcha. i am freelance and indie uh so i have one-on-one -on -one relationships with 
almost all of my authors. There are a few publishing companies, um, like production companies that work as a sort of third party to that. Um, like the author will go to the production company, production company will help facilitate auditions and find a narrator. Um, and then they'll work directly with the uh, with the narrator. So in that situation, like I'm working with one company called Pink Flamingo Productions and they're great, I love them. Um, and I really only work with Pink Flamingo. I have never spoken to the author of the series that I'm narrating. Um, but in most cases, I know my authors. And um, sorry, I rabbit trail a lot. That's okay, because now I'm thinking <laughs> I need to go back to the beginning too and also walk me from the beginning of the audiobook. So we'll get there. We'll get yes. there. <laughs> so, um, so let's just say that there's no middleman production company. Let's just say I'm working directly with an author. Um, they'll call me. Most of my authors are women. She'll, uh, you know, message me, reach out to me, whatever, or I've auditioned for her. Um, there are actually a handful of ways where that can happen too. Um, so we're making the audiobook and that'll happen in one of two ways either um and this this is sort of this is one of the things that makes a difference as to whether or not i as a narrator am losing money or is it just the author so the two ways that you can do it which i think this is another question that you're gonna ask later um <laughs> <laughs> maybe sorry um so uh one of the one of the ways that you can that I get paid is by royalty share. Um, that means that the author and I will share, I think it's 40% of the royalties and then um, Amazon gets the rest. And we split it down the middle. And so whenever the book is made, we get those I call it I call it future money, royalty shares are future money. And that means that um, I can make money off of a book or a series or whatever that I did like a year ago. Mm -hmm. um, if all of a sudden it started selling really well, then I'm going to make good royalties. At the beginning of COVID, I had some solid royalty checks. Nice. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Because uh, what else were people? I know. That's what people were doing. Yeah. Um, lots of time to listen to audiobooks. Absolutely. Exactly. <laughs> and uh, the other way, what I call present money, is paper finished hour. Um, which I can go into that later. Uh, but so that that's sort of an upfront money thing. Um, so if it's paid for finished hour, that means that that is all the money that I'm making off of that book or that series or whatever, and I'm getting it directly from the author. Um, if it's royalty share, that's where it matters to me whether or not somebody returns their book um, because we're splitting the royalties. And so let's say, you got a book and you wanted to return it for whatever reason and you return it to Amazon. Well, Amazon is just the third party. They, they gave us the money when you bought it. And so whenever you're returning it because your credit, like you pay for credits to Amazon. So Amazon gets their money. And then whenever you bought my audiobook, mm -hmm. that money goes to me. But then if you return my audiobook, then they take their money back because they're giving you your credit back. Is, is that making sense? Yes. I feel like it's a lot of like, I may really, make, like a lot of details. Well, you really kind of have to understand how like the online marketplace of, of Amazon and Audible works. Yeah, 
it's it's very detailed there there are a lot of things like whenever i made that post my husband who's been around me for well, i've done this for um, four years now and he understands a lot of it um and even he was like wait 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 how does the explain this to me again i'm like okay so i mean yeah you really have to understand like all of the little like there's a lot of little details um so yeah sometimes that's just the author like if the author did a paper finished hour with their narrator then they are the ones who are who's losing out um but if we did a royalty share or even like a royalty share plus deal which means they pay me a a little bit to do it up front and then we still split the uh royalties after but if we yeah if we're doing a royalty share to any degree i'm as the narrator i'm losing money on work that i did that i didn't necessarily get paid for up front you know what i mean yeah so i mean and that and, and it i think it has there's no way for me to actually know if it's happening <laughs> but like a lot of my authors well you probably you probably hear about it just from from people who are listening to audiobooks that say that, right. that mention that they're returning one or again you're about to say from your authors i assume yeah because the authors i believe i could be wrong about this because there's a lot as a narrator that i don't see like as far as like the um there's a lot that I don't I don't get to see. Like I can go online and look at my reviews, but I don't get notifications that I was reviewed. My authors get notifications, or like if they are, um, if their book is returned, then they get to see why. You know, there's that whole like, why are you returning this book sort of thing. Um, mm. They get to see that, and they they've said that they've seen so many where people are just like, I really enjoyed it. This was a great book. I'm returning it to get my credit back. And I mean, that's that really is that's that is buying the dress wearing it to the party and taking it back the next day have i done it yes yes but, <laughs> but does that make oh, it a good no. thing <laughs> no i was 21 okay do as i say not as i do not as i do <laughs> so you mentioned then there's two ways that you get paid the royalty yeah. checks which you split with the author and then the you said pay per finish so again hour. pay per finish hour. hour yeah so unlike i guess normal work um where you get paid per hour that you've worked audiobooks get paid per hour of the finished product so let's say my book is five hours long um mm -hmm. it it would take me which i guess the amount of time that i can put work in per day is different than if i were doing a different kind of job because vocal work is a lot <laughs> like mm -hmm. you can wear yeah. your voice out your voice can be really fragile and you can wear it out really easily um yeah you cannot so, you cannot talk for a straight like 10 hours a day or eight hours a day or whatever you can't no, do you that can't. no <laughs> uh not unless you want to like not work for the next week um but i yeah but um so yeah i can get about i i can get if i'm working consistently and my motivation is on i can get about <laughs> six maybe seven hours of finished work done in a week so that's not hours that i have worked that's hours of finished audio so like if you know you go online and you look up an audiobook and it's like this audiobook is five hours long 
you know, I could, I could do a five hour book in a week. Um, so what that means is if I were getting paid a hundred dollars per finished hour for a five hour book, then I get $500 from that book. So gotcha. Yeah. And that in those, for those books. And at this point in how long, like I've been doing this, like I said, about like three or four years. Um, and at this point, most of my books are paid per finished hour, but I do still have some royalty share deals either with authors that I worked with at the beginning when I was first starting, or if there's a book that is um, really, you know, promising, it's going to make some decent money, then mm -hmm. you know, you can go ahead and throw that out there. But uh, the majority of my my contracts right now are paper finished hour. Okay, so is that something that you would possibly like negotiate in the beginning, or is it kind of just like a done deal? They the author already knows they want to do they want to split royalties or do paper finished hour. Generally, people have an opinion. Generally, people have like a plan for their project and what they can do and what they want to do. Um, the thing that would be the most negotiable is if somebody wanted to do a royalty share and you, you know, negotiated a royalty share plus deal, meaning let's say for a royalty share plus I, you know, for a five hour book, I would do maybe like 50 or $75 per finished hour. Cause I'm still, so I get a little bit up front, yeah. but then I still, um, make royalties in the future. That makes sense. Yeah. Do you usually record in a studio somewhere or do you record at home? I record at home. Um, I have my little home studio set up, which listen, she's grown over the years. Um, when I first started, we were at this other apartment and it was this, it was very cute. It was very charming. It was very small. Um, and it was in a very old building. It was one of those really cute old, you know, that like used to be really big houses in Dallas. And then they like chomped them up and like made they them section into, it apart. Yeah. yeah. And um, it was cute. It was adorable. I loved it. But it, I mean, the floors creaked all the yeah. time. <laughs> my, They're usually my, very noisy. You can hear every neighbor, every floorboard. My husband had to be so still. He could not move. <laughs> like if he like so much has got up for a glass of water i'm like you have ruined this take but um like <laughs> here's your remote make sure you take a bathroom break before i start recording exactly i'm going in do not move, do not um, move. sit right there it stay <laughs> also it was this tiny closet and i had <laughs> i had um this kid's chair from target that I sat in and I would sat like scrunched. And then I had um, like a mic arm from uh -huh. that like hung from the bar, like my clothes rack bar. Mm -hmm. And then my mic just like hung upside down right there. And then why, why a kid's chair? You think, why not it, a different was, chair? it was so small. Oh, okay. Like, like a normal size chair wouldn't have fit in there. It had oh, okay. a kid's chair. Um, and then my clothes of course were there to like, you know, be bass traps and block, uh, mm -hmm. you know, dead in the sound and stuff like that. Yeah, the closet um, come in handy. They do. For the closet they studio. Handy. Um, but now I, I have a walk-in closet, so there's no sitting and hunching over. I can actually like stand <laughs> and oh shock, breathe. It's amazing. Um, I have an ISO box, which oh. Nick calls my head helmet. Very funny. It 
kind of is a studio for your head. It's really interesting. It has three flaps. So a flap here and a flap here, and those both zip up, like a, a flap to your left and your right, and they both zip up. And then there's a flap that doesn't zip, that goes behind your head. So it like sits on top, and so that you can go in, and then you like lower it down behind you, and it just deadens everything. And so honestly, you're literally like in a little bubble? Yeah. Why have I not seen this? It's like looking it up. Right here, do it, look it up. It's so interesting. Um, but yeah, so that is in my already full closet. So um, very dead sound, it's great. Um, and then I have a Rode NT1 mic and a Scarlett I2I interface. And I use Magic nice. Pro X and they're really nice headphones. Um, and I use a Kindle. That's, that's like, I feel like that's the thing that differs from a lot of people, but I use a Kindle. Why is the Kindle different? Well, most people use like an iPad or something, or they have like a separate monitor, stuff oh, like okay. that. I just, I mean, I, I'm sure there are other people who do this that use Kindles, but typically people use, like I said, either a monitor or an iPad or something. But I like the Kindle because the Kindle is not going to notify you of anything. It's going to sit there and be quiet and be nice on your eyes yep. and do its job. You have a really good setup now, but you started in the tiny closet with, I assume, probably not as good of a setup, but yeah, you, no. you've upgraded. So you could start, someone could start as um, as a voice actor recording audiobooks with what? What would be kind of their minimum setup? So, okay. So there are a lot of options as far as um, your, like I use Logic Pro X. Honestly, I was a little bit lucky because when I started, I was already with Nick and Nick has done music for years and years and years. So nice. he already had Logic Pro X done. Um, and then he already had the Scarlet and- Oh, nice. He had like a, a neither of us are sound engineers. I. That was probably the hardest thing for me was trying to figure out how to be my own sound engineer with, you know, mm -hmm. no degree, because that's a thing people go to like college for. Yeah. And I'm like, I know how to emote. <laughs> right. I learned how to speak for the stage, not like I've not no necessarily idea. recorded into a microphone. Like. Right. You need my gain to do what now? Yeah, I, I, yeah, I had no idea. YouTube is your best friend in that case. Um, but actually, oh, I mean, but you can use, even if you can't get Logic Pro X, there's still um, Audacity. That's, I think it's free. And there are I have Audacity. Yeah, Audacity is yeah. free. Mm -hmm. There are a lot of people who start there. Um, and actually, ACX, okay, so I started doing this through ACX. I guess how I found this, um, Oh, and before I forget, a good mic to start with, it's definitely not an end game mic, but it's a great starter mic, um, is a Blue Snowball. They're really? like 40 bucks, I think. And they're a USB mic, so you don't need an interface. Um, they'll just, they'll get, the, they'll get the job done to get you started. And then once you start growing and your client base starts growing and you're making more money then you can buy replacement stuff and get an interface get a nice mic la 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 whatever um so that's a good place to start but uh let's see and now i've distracted myself what was i saying uh you went from talking about the interface you don't need an interface with the usb mic oh i remember so. okay so 
ACX is how I got started. Uh, I was, oh, okay. so I was, okay. I had worked, I had gotten started with, let me take you back. Um, let me take you back a few years. Insert uh, a sound effect of like. La, 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 la. So we go back in time. I was in Houston at Sam Houston State, um, and I got an internship. I was getting my degree in musical theater, and I booked an internship uh, where I got one uh, at this professional regional theater in Houston, doing Into the Woods. And I was Little Red, and the guy who played. I know, oh my it's, goodness! Honestly, it was my last chance to be Little Red. I was like, I am like 0.5 seconds away from aging out of this. So mm -hmm. if I don't book this, this is it. Yeah. And I booked it. Um, I was so happy. Oh my but, god! Um, for those of you who know how the story goes, uh, the guy who played the baker, Little Red, and the baker are together a lot through the show and they're like one of the final four. Um, so I spent a lot of time with him and he kind of became my mentor. And by that, I mean, he was kind enough to answer all my questions and humor me. Um, and he's a very talented voice actor and he's done a lot of anime. And um, so I asked him, how do I get started? Um, how do, how do, yeah, how do I even do anime? How do I do commercial stuff? Like how, what, do I, what am I doing? And, um, he sent my contact info to a friend of his and long story short, that's how I got started doing anime with Sentai in Houston. Then when I moved back to the DFW area, I just happened to come across one of Funimation's very rare ever elusive open call auditions. I submitted and I went and then I started working on their roster. Um, so that's all that. But there was a point where the calls started to slow down as they do. Yeah. Um, and I got frustrated because I, as a theater performer, am used, you know, submit myself for stuff. You go to auditions in theater and film, you are able, you have at least that level of control mm -hmm. over what you can be considered for. Um, and I was getting frustrated that that, and that's just the nature of anime. Um, and it's just a different world. So that's why I was getting frustrated because I was like, this isn't, this isn't what I'm used to. So I went in search of something that I could have more control over and I came across ACX. Um, and it stands for Audiobook Creation Exchange, but it's acx.com, super easy. And um, it is Amazon's Audible platform. So that's, that stuff, it still goes to iTunes also, but it's, it's hosted by Amazon. And um, yeah, you set up, it's totally free. You set up a profile, um, you start submitting your auditions to indie authors and, and smaller publishing companies. And, and um, another a feature of ACX is that they have this ACX University and it's a ton of resources and classes oh, I've heard and of this. interviews. Yes, it's so helpful. Um, it's really helpful. Like they, it's great. It really is. And, and they, they answered almost any question you could possibly have. They do it every year. And I think they keep all their videos up like all the time. So you can go back and look up anything, anything from like sound engineering questions that just make mm. your brain explode to like, what is, you know, what's the best daily routine for me as 
an audiobook narrator. It really covers so many things. Like it's, it's, that is, that's an invaluable source. Is that where you've met a lot of your authors? Yeah. I mean, at this point, I'm in a place where I'm not really auditioning a lot because I have a bunch of people come to me to book me. And a lot of them are people that I've been working with for the last year or two. Um, nice. And that's where I started was I, I went on to ACX and I uploaded a headshot and I, you know, just came up with a couple of, well, and cause they, they ask for samples so that people can go to your page too. Like um, authors and stuff can, can go find you and listen to your samples and decide they want to book you on the spot. Um, so a good thing to do is just to, to get started to have starter samples for that is to just read, read something. A, a little bit of something and, and do it as if you were going to be the narrator for that book and then post it. And, and, and really I would definitely suggest people having samples. And then once you get hired for stuff, then you can add like replace those samples with stuff mm -hmm. that you've actually done. Um, but I think you should definitely have, at least a couple of different samples up on your page, even when you're just submitting your first auditions so that yeah. people can get a better feel for you and your voice and what you're capable of outside of just what you've given them. What if, what if I'm not like an actor? I don't have acting experience. Should I read, should I read the characters in a different voice or should I just stick with the same voice throughout the whole recording? Now that's different territory. Oh. Um, not because not because of whether or not a person's trained, but that goes into a different territory of what kind of narrator are you? Um, how I found out, how I discovered. Um, really, what I did was I because I've I've loved listening to audiobooks. I'm I I'm a little bit of a I don't know. A friend of mine thinks that I'm ADHD. Who knows? Could be. Um, and that's fine. It's fine. I, you know, it just, what it means is that if somebody's talking to me on the phone, I need to be doing something else. If I'm like mm -hmm. cleaning something, mm -hmm. I need to be doing something else. So while I'm cooking or cleaning or anything, I listen to audiobooks. When I'm driving, if I don't want to like go absolutely crazy, I listen to audiobooks. Um, so I was listening to audiobooks a lot and there were definitely people that I liked to listen to more than others. And like, it really is so subjective because there are people who are going to love what I do and my style. And then there, I've had some reviews because I do read reviews. Um, <laughs> do You're read not reviews. supposed to do that. I would I too. I would too. <laughs> Let's be honest. I would too. I don't know. Um, like there was one review I had a while back on this book that was like, the narrator's good, but she's not my cup of tea. And I'm like, Thank you. I respect that. Um, cause and yeah. then you answer, then you answer back though. Like, so what is your cup of tea? I can like, do that too. <laughs> what are your critiques specifically? No. <laughs> Did you take notes? <laughs> right. I need time codes. Can I, right. Can you, do you have timestamps? <laughs> what exactly did you not like? Um, <laughs> I would say listen to different books and listen for what you liked listen for what you didn't like, make notes of like, you know, how, like there are some books that I've enjoyed where everything's a little bit flatter, like it's read pretty, you know, flatly and like multiple 
female characters have generally the same voice, which also sound like the narration, which is fine. That's just a different style. It's not how I do it. Um, but that's also oh, because that's, yeah. <laughs> no, it's not. Um, but it's also because that's, that's the people who hire me. That's what they want from me is they want me to do the voices. They want the voices. They want like one of the, one of the positive reviews that I get over and over and over again is I'm easy to listen to because you know, who's talking. Like, you don't have to think about like, wait, which character was this? Like, yeah. no, because that's her voice or that's his voice or that's, you know, yeah, because that becomes a thing in, in podcasting that annoys me when you try to put too many people like on one episode of a podcast. Mm-hmm. I no longer know who's talking. What's going if it's on? Just, if it's just two people, I can distinguish between those two people. If it's yeah. three, I can distinguish between those three. Once you start getting more than that, yeah, you can't, you, you don't know who's talking yeah. anymore. And so, I mean, I have, this is generally, I would say that this is about my regular like narrator voice. It depends on who it is. So with my voice, I get a lot of, um, I get a lot of like young adult fantasy. Oh. Like a lot of like, she's like 18 to 21 and she's like, a, she's, you know, figuring out her life and she thinks she has this crush on this guy. But also, did you know that she's a werewolf and she's training to take over as alpha for her pack? Like that's, mm-hmm. that's what I am narrating right now. Not that. literally right now. I have narrated that, but uh, right now it's, what is it right? Oh, oh, right now I'm narrating this series that's so cool. And like this girl, short version, this girl, she, her sister lives in the Midwest and she lives in California, but then her sister went missing. So she moves to the Midwest to live with her dad to figure out where her sister went. And then she falls in love with her sister's best friend. And <laughs> then then they found out that her, well no i'm not going to give away the end of the first book but it's crazy well, i'm so into it. it oh listen no you'd be so into it it's so good <laughs> i love it so much um and that helps a lot when you're reading a book that you're like that you actually what enjoy. is happening yeah it's oh it's a good time um but yeah i would definitely say even people who are not trained can still totally do this. I think it just takes some, it takes thoughtfulness of just, you can't just like open a book and go. Like, I mean, I guess you can after you've done it for long enough, but like, and, and there are some people with, with, a, with a gift enough of that where, yeah, they absolutely could do that. And that's totally great. But if you've never done this before and you've, you're not trained as an actor, that doesn't mean you can't do it. You just need to be thoughtful about how you approach it. I think you need to know um, different styles. And like I said, what your style is, what you do. I, I wouldn't suggest that somebody go narrate a project in a style that doesn't necessarily come naturally to them. Not that you can't, but these projects are so long. They're literally hours and hours and hours of you just standing there reading out loud to yourself and so unless you're like amazing at keeping your voice right and keeping your characters straight and keeping like keeping them straight in your head because man Mm -hmm. when there are some scenes where you've got like everybody in the same room and it's like this person this person this person this person and everybody's just like popcorn talking and you're like who are you and what voice are you oh my goodness what's even going on here those are like I haven't thought about how hard that is because it's like it's someone who someone who like started out with like this Boston accent suddenly at the end is like Irish or something. Yeah. And the person who was 
previously a woman with a high-pitched voice somehow by the end, end of the page you're reading it in a man's voice <laughs> i just did this one book that was that i loved it was super it was super sweet it was it was a cute little like christmas romance um hey. yuletide romance um yeah not christmas it was yuletide but so there were there were a bunch of characters but it was it was sort of since it was told on and off between the two like main characters perspectives this like will they won't they thing the other characters would pop up in certain chapters and then disappear for a little bit so like by the end there was one girl <laughs> i went back and listened to it like my author was like hey her voice is not consistent and i was like oh what and then so yeah i went back to like chapter three where we first see her and i was listening to her and i was like oh no that is not what i ended up with what did i do it's like a game of telephone yes <laughs> i was like i'm sorry girl i don't i don't know where that's and that's not a common problem i have that i don't normally do that i normally right. know who is talking and what they sound like but for some reason this one girl she started she started off a little bit like softer and then by the end of the book i had her up here and i don't know why <laughs> and we don't know when she got there or how she got there <laughs> Was it gradual? I don't know. And, and actually thinking about it, I think what happened was there was one chapter like mid book where like six or seven people showed up. And so I was like, so focused on not only creating these new voices for these people, but also distinguishing who I'd already established from these new people. And in my head, I was like, this girl is younger. And so I went to my like high pitched girl voice. Yeah. That's not who she was though in the beginning. <laughs> so I had to go back through and- How much did you have to, have to change? How much did you have to fix? Uh, maybe like six chapters worth, but she, oh, but it, it's not like she was talking a lot in those chapters. She would have like a little paragraph where she'd talk about, talks, talk some here and then like have a couple lines in this chapter. So really it didn't take that long. It was more tedious than anything because each chapter is its own file in logic. So I'll record chapter one and then label it, save it, shut it down and then open chapter two in this new thing. And so like whenever I go back for edits, um, I mean, it's, there's no better way to do that. That's the best way to do it. But then you're like, you're, you're opening you up to start editing, slicing it apart. It and... Yeah. And so it's like just the most tedious thing about it is opening all of these different files and having to like, you know, Go piece it all out. together mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but yeah i believe the the question you actually asked man i am the queen of the rabbit trail i think the question you that's asked, okay i don't i don't even know what i originally asked you you were asking um do you need to be trained in order to do this and yes yeah my answer is being trained helps being but, trained helps um, but everyone gets in anything you do you could also do a little um you know on the job training Figure out as you go. Are you kidding? I am like not only am I queen of the rabbit trail, I am also queen of the yeah, I can do that. <laughs> so let's figure it out. Yep. Absolutely. Yes, I can. <laughs> we'll see. I sure can. YouTube will help me.
To purchase and listen to some of Casey's audiobooks, I've linked her own recommendations wherever you are listening to this podcast. I'm also linking Audio Creative Exchange, or ACX, where you can start just like Casey did. Thanks for listening.